what a great season we're in to trust God. About the time you think you get a break, war rises up in Eastern Europe. And let me tell you that um, everything that happens is the enemy planning, but God always has a counter move. And ultimately, God always works all things out for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God does work out all things for the good for everyone. Keep that in mind. There has to be a heart for God for you to see the goodness of God in the disaster of mankind. And sometimes we forget that. And sometimes you'll hear people say this like very, very lightly, quickly, everything's gonna work out. Not everything does work out for all people. But when you persevere, when you stay in the fight, when you keep your faith strong in the Lord Jesus Christ, even though you may go through trials and tribulations, even though you go through the fire, it will not burn you. You go through the water, it will not overwhelm you because God is your God. And you have to stand strong on the Lord and the things of the Lord, amen? Well, today we're uh, in Joshua chapter seven and eight. I decided to combine these two chapters uh, because I think it, it serves us well to put the big picture together. And I wanna talk to you about turning a setback into a comeback. Now, Israel felt pretty good. They've been 40 years in the wilderness. Now they cross over the Jordan. They defeat Jericho, a miracle of God. And now they're gonna go to the small town of Ai that's nearby, and they think this is not much of a task. Now keep in mind that Jericho was the center of Canaanite worship. It was the Washington, D.C. of that area of Canaanite worship. They worshiped a god named Molech. They offered their children as human sacrifice on fire to Molech, much like California does with abortion. You know, we're practicing human sacrifice. There's just no way around it. I will say this. I know many of you probably in this room have had known someone or have had an abortion. Can I just say this to you? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all of our past, present, and future, and there is redemption. You don't carry shame and guilt. You just move through life and say, you know what? I'm gonna move on, and I'm gonna trust in God. Amen. You see, the, the thing that we do is we take some sins, we make them worse than other sins, and then we use shame and condemnation so a person never finds freedom in life. I want you to know the Bible says the blood of Christ cleanses us from most sins. Is that what it says? From what? All sins. All sins. Now, you might think that only applies to you and not your neighbor. It applies to your neighbor too. Amen. All right, here's the first thing I want you to know. Every setback is a setup for a comeback. So they go to AI, and what happens is they're defeated. They don't even get to the gate before they're chased outside of the gate by the inhabitants of AI. And what they do is they kill about 35 of their men, and they go back, and Joshua is licking his wounds, saying, God, why did you do this? And he's worried about God's reputation. Can I say you do not have to defend the reputation of Almighty God? He's okay. He has had all kinds of critics throughout history. In fact, I will say to you, if someone criticizes you for your faith, then rejoice. If someone's not criticizing you for your faith, then you need to step up your faith. Because God wants us to be bold in our world for Jesus Christ. Amen? 
Timid Christians don't work. It just doesn't happen. doesn't make any difference in our world. The other thing is facing your enemy, and I mean facing your enemy, enlarges your capacity. You see, your enemies will define you. See, Jesus had critics. They criticized him for everything, right? And finally, when they couldn't do anything else, the criticism didn't work and didn't stick, they crucified him. You know how they crucified him? They crucified him not for claiming to be the Messiah, not for working miracles. They crucified him because he, being a man, claimed to be God. That's why they crucified him. Many messiahs in that day. In fact, Jesus said many messiahs will come in the latter days, and they will, they will present me as they, themselves as the savior of the world. But turn away from this and turn away from those things, Scripture says. You know, one of the things that we've done and uh, it's an exciting season. There's, we always say we, if we can just get through February at this church, we're going we're gonna to get some breaks, but that's not ever happens. I don't know why it just never happens. And, and withhold the line coming up. Really want you to register. Really want you to be here. I think it's going to be a great time. Uh, I participate in this event with Sean in Washington, D.C. Uh, on September 11th. And uh, God bless, it was a great time. You want to come out, hear these voices, be inspired. But then um, it, it's just a part of what God is putting together in our world that helps us to equip one another and challenge one another and strengthen one another for the faith, amen? So it was about a year ago that we started AmericanFaith.com, and many of you were part of our gala last year. I want to just uh, talk over this video. It's a highlight video from last year. And our gala is coming up. Uh, this year on April 10th, and we are about uh, 60 to 70% sold out of this event already. Uh, we want you to be here. Uh, ladies, it's a really important time for you to get your men coming because it is a dress-up affair, and it's the only time you'll ever see your husband looking decent. <laughs> Amen? I mean, men really don't care. See, that's what women can't understand. They really don't care that they look sloppy. All right, that's why you have to push him into coat, tie, suit, tux, whatever you think. But this year we have Dennis Prager going to be with us, and uh, Dennis is such a great voice. He has over 1.5 billion views of PragerU videos. Think of that, 1.5 billion. And we are so blessed, and then we are finalizing the contract for next year's gala with Candace Owens. So we should have that secured this week. We'll be able to announce that at the gala, and uh, we're just seeing God do some great things. So you can buy a table. You can buy individual tickets. They're outside. Uh, why do I bring that up here? Because you have to do something in the face of your conflict to make a difference. And all of these things work together. You know, it's, just, it's like Christian entrepreneurship is rising up. I think that creating parallel universes, uh, so to speak, of economics, uh, just heard of a whole new medical field that's opening up its parallel, and it's going to operate outside of these, these crazy things that are going on. We see the AMA has become a socialist, communist-driven organization. It's a crazy world we live in right now. But you guess what? God, just like God saved Noah and his family in an ark, God preserved Israel in the wilderness, God will always take care of you. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, all your strength. Give him the glory. Put your hands together. Give God the glory for that. Amen? Well, let's talk first about setbacks and defeats. We probably know about this as individuals. All of us in this room have had setbacks. We've had, we've had things that have 
brought defeat in our life, and sometimes it's a direct result of what we did, and sometimes we just got caught up in what was going on, and we weren't necessarily overtly sinning against God. We just kind of got swept away, and we said, why? I was so stupid. What was happening here? Joshua chapter 7, verse 2 through 5. Joshua sent men out from Jericho to Ai, go up, spy out the country. They returned to Joshua and said, do not let all the people go up, but let only about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Big mistake. Big mistake. Whenever you operate by consensus, you will fail. United Airlines started rehiring unvaccinated people back. They made a decision to fire people, let people go. Why? Because they listened to consensus. The new CEO of, of Disney said he's up, he's really disappointed because he's let down all the transgender people for not enforcing stronger at Disney in Florida uh, this, this, this idea to push this narrative to children. I want you to know Disney has become an enemy of the family. I mean, call it like it is. It's not the happiest place on earth. It's the most destructive place on earth when it comes to family and values. And if you don't see it for what it is, you're missing out. I'm not telling you not to go. I'm not telling you that you can't have fun there. I'm just saying look at it for what it really is. Just like C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien said, met together and they said, let's sneak Jesus and the gospel into literature, well, you've got all these large organizations like Disney that's sneaking sex, sin, and evil into the organization. Don't be surprised and don't be shocked. You say, well, I don't know what to do now. I've got season tickets. Go. That's what I say. Just go. But while you're there, be the church. Be the voice of God wherever you find yourself. If we stop going to all the bad places, there's no place to go. <laughs> Amen? He, he, what about church? Yeah, this place is just full of sinners, packed full. <laughs> Amen? You know, I always thought a great subline for a church would be sinners welcome here, all others stay away. <laughs> Look what he says here. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are a few. So about 3,000 men went up of the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. When you lead by consensus, you're going to run from your enemy every single time. Winston Churchill said, uh, a survey is an organized riot. You see, leadership leads. And everyone in this room is a leader in some sphere of their activity. Whether it's family or business, where, school, wherever it is, be the leader that God called you to be. And the only thing you can do to lead is you have to stand. You have to stand against the current of society in order to lead. Gibbons, who wrote The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, said this when he talked about why Rome fell. He said it was a lack of leadership. He said, but people will get out of the way to follow a leader, whether he's good or bad. So lead and be a good leader, amen? Look what it says, for they chased them from before the gate, therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Has your heart ever melted and become like water, meaning that, wow, I'm defeated, I don't know what to do, and you're just like paralyzed with fear and defeat. Can I tell you that fear is a spirit, not an emotion? 
God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. When you fall into fear, recognize it for what it is. There's a spiritual entity, a demonic spirit that's trying to drive you into fear and move you away from faith. And when you're in fear, you just, I don't know where God is. You'll hear words like this. I don't know where God is. I don't know what God is doing. I don't know what I'm going to do. You call up your friend, what am I going to do? They give you bad advice. You call your next friend, they give you bad advice. You call up God, call on the Lord, and he will give you good advice. Amen? Why not go to him first? It's kind of like the, the old saying, you know, well, I guess we've done everything else. We might as well pray. By everything, with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? Whatsoever things are good and lovely and pure and right, think on these things. Don't think on the other stuff. Think on those things. So leadership by consensus is always going to be bad. I see parents right now that are letting their kids lead their family. They're deciding what they're going to do. Well, the kid wants to play nine sports. That means we can't be to church on Sunday. Then they come to me when they're 17 and eight, their kids are 17 and 18. I don't know what's wrong with my kid. He doesn't love God. He doesn't want to go to church. I know what's wrong. You're what's wrong. You led them down the wrong path. You have to find a way to to uphold the kingdom of God and give your kids opportunity. I guarantee you there are a lot of coaches, if a lot of parents would rise up and say, we're not going to do this on Sunday, they'd go, oh, okay. Because the parents need to lead in that situation and not let the frustrated coach who never was very good at the sport anyway lead. (laughs) Another mistake we make is underestimate the enemy. You know what we call somebody who thinks they can survive in the middle of sin? A victim. You see, that's why the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Take heed lest you fall, Galatians 6.1. You have to take heed. You have to never underestimate the enemy is out for you and he never feels sorry for you and he never wants to give you a break. See, when you're mean to somebody, every once in a while you kind of feel a little guilty and think, I've got to give him a break. Satan never feels that way. He always feels like, you know what, if I crush you and crush you and crush you again, you will not get up. And that's why Job became a great example for us of someone who said, I will not bend and I will not bow to the enemy. I will stand. And what did he say at the end in chapter 42? He said, my eye had, my eye, I had heard of you at the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. He grew in his maturity, and I repent in sackcloth and ashes. That's how it ended. It ended with a deeper understanding of who God was and a greater revelation because he did not bow. Even his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And she said, and he said, should we expect good from God and not bad? And he turned away that comment. You have to turn away that that idea that you're going to fold and you're going to give up. You see, another thing is alignment with idols will always take you down the wrong path. When you study the story, and we're not going to go into a lot of depth, there was a guy named Achan. I used to have a sermon called Achan Was Mistaken. (laughs) But what did Achan do? He stole a Babylonian garment, silver and gold. He hid it in his tent, and for that he uh, he was killed because he brought the downfall of Israel because of his sin. 
And you look at that story, it seems a little harsh, right? One guy sins and his whole family gets wiped out. If we did that today, we'd be out of people. <laughs> right? But what made it unique in Achan's sense was he stole the Babylonian garment, which was the coat of the high priest of Canaanite worship. He, told, he sold the very symbol of evil, and he held it to himself. The Canaanites were so bad, they came out of the line of Cain. You go back and you study it. What made them so bad was they brought false religion into the situation. You see, you can't play with evil and win. He's not talking about, you know, well, I, somebody, an Israelite over there, he cussed. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something that brings false religion and the worship of evil into the congregation of God. He says, that's not acceptable. That's not going to work. Joshua chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. I love it when God does this. We're down crying in our soup. God says, why don't you just be a man? Now, I don't know how you were raised. My dad was a, an, a, an army colonel. He was in military intelligence, and I didn't get a lot of breaks. And I'd say, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he'd look at me and go, just be a man. I'm like four. I mean, <laughs> you know, get in there and shave. I'm six. Right? But you know what stuck with me? I remember I was in junior high and I was playing football and I started getting into these little motorcycles called mini bikes. Some of you remember those. They were a lot of fun and we'd put giant engines on them and they never could stop. I had a, I had a little mini bike with a 10 horsepower engine. It'd go like 100 miles an hour and it had no brakes. But it made sense. And I remember quitting football because I was so consumed and I was buying, I was selling, I was making money. I was, I was, I was enjoying life, right? And my coach said, I don't care if you quit. I don't want you to become a quitter. I have never forgotten that. I have never quit anything since then. Because it haunted me. It haunted me in a good way. I don't want to be a quitter. Don't quit anything you do. When things go wrong as they sometimes will and the road you're trudging is all uphill, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to the faint and faltering one who learned too late how close he was to the golden cup. So rest if you must, but don't you quit. Don't quit. Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned. Israel has sinned, and, they, and they've also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken some of the accursed things and the things both stolen um, and deceived. Wow, what a revelation. One man's problem became a problem for everyone. Can I just say this right now? Every one of us should examine our heart and say, is there anything in my life that could be a problem for other people? And just deal with it. Just deal with it. Just say, God, I just I want you to forgive me. I want you to cleanse me. I want to be right before you. So what's the second thing? You got to go back. That's called repentance. Got to go back. See, you got to set back. Now you got to go back. Look at verse uh, 6 and 9. Then Joshua tore his clothes. This was a symbol of repentance, by the way. And fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord. Remember, the ark of the Lord was the symbol of the presence of God. It held the, the, the tablets of the, of the holy tabernacle of the, of the covenant of God. 
until evening, and he and his elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? He's whining. He fell to his face. He's repenting. He's still whining. Oh, that we had been content to dwell on the other side of the Jordan. This Christianity stuff is too hard. I was pretty happy when I wasn't going to church. You know, life was easy. Yeah, because you were cooperating with the spirit of the age. The God of this world, Satan. That's why it was easy. You think you're going to go against the enemy and it's going to be easy? Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before the enemies? There he goes back to consensus. You see that? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off your name from the earth. God, we just don't want everybody to forget about you. Not gonna happen. Then what will you do for your great name? God, you're in a mess. And we just wanna help you, God, get out of this mess. I think it's supposed to work the other way. What do you think? God gets us out of the mess. We get in the mess, he gets us out of the mess. Okay, so here's a couple of thoughts. Sin stops the flow of favor. Not your definition of sin, God's. I feel pretty good about this. That doesn't mean it's not wrong. You, you can't believe the things people have told me. said, you know, I really prayed about it and this is what God showed me. And I go, well, that's like violating 400 scriptures. I know, but I think God gave me a little break. Yeah, that's, there's a Hebrew word for that. It's the word dumb. <laughs> Amen? What is repentance? Repentance is a returning to God. The word literally means, that Greek word, metanoia, literally means I'm going in this direction. I stop, and I turn, and I go in the direction of God. I was walking away from God. Sometimes we don't even know. Paul said, you know, had the law not come in, I would not have known what it meant to covet. But the law became like a mirror. I looked in the mirror and I go, oh, that's what I'm doing and that's the sin in my life. I know sin isn't like the most popular subject to preach on, but we're all pretty good at it. We need to learn how to stop being so good at it and turn away. And the Bible's written on two levels. It's written on the real and the ideal. The, real, the ideal is, my little children, I write to you that you sin not. That's the ideal. Never sin. But the next part of that verse is the real. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. So we always strive for the ideal, but we deal in the real. And every day that you face with the reality that you're, you fall short of the glory of God, you repent, you turn back and say, I'm heading in the God direction. And I don't have to live in guilt and shame because of what, what, what the path I was on. I just have to try to make it a better path, amen? That's it. So another thought, God's goodness is waiting for your release, have you ever had somebody get really blessed and they're telling you and you get really jealous? In a good way. I mean, I, I just want God to bless me like that. Did you ever think maybe you're holding something up? You're slowing the flow down? You've done something to inhibit the favor of God in your life? 
Hey, there's nothing better than to feel like you're walking with God and the favor of God is upon you. Even if you don't see evidence, evidence of it right now, you know it's on its way. It's coming. It's on its way. You know what faith is? Faith is throwing something out in the future and then walking into it. What are you throwing out into your future? Are you cursing the ground you're walking on? Throw out into the future what you want to see God do. And whether it's, you know, being canceled out of Angel Stadium the last minute, think about the nightmare of trying to go, well, we just got about, I don't know, 10,000, maybe 20,000 people showing up and we have no place for them to go. Doesn't alarm God. It always works out. But you have to throw faith out into the future. God, you've got something better. And whether it's a big thing or a little thing, whatever it is, God is going to do it. I got so inspired. Uh, this uh, We just uh, spoke at the Reawaken event down in uh, San Diego at our, our friend Jurgen's church. And I got so inspired by their children's area. I just came back and I said, we got to get one like that. And we just bought this $6 million building, you know? And all of you going, oh, no, here he's going to do it again. <laughs> it's going to happen, I know. But I, I just, I, I, my heart just gets stirred up with what God can do. I don't even know how to do it. I don't know what, how it's going to work out. I don't even have a building. I, got, I just like, God, I just, I just, there's a stirring in my spirit and, and God stirs your heart for expansion, for reaching out beyond who you are and what you can do so that God gets the glory. Nobody gets the glory if God does it, amen? You just go, I don't know, God did it. I mean, I was just there when it happened. That's what you want. Okay, so what's the third thing? Come back, that's victory. You go back, that's repentance. You come back, this is victory. I'm gonna have a comeback. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you. Arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given you, uh, given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Joshua 8.30, Joshua built an altar. He's victorious. Wipes out Ai, takes the city, wipes it out. It never rises again. And guess what? This time God says you can take any of the gold and silver, anything you want from that city. What made a difference? This wasn't the symbol of Canaanized worship. God takes some things very serious. False religion, he takes very serious. Worshiping idols takes very serious. Now he says you can have all you want. See, God didn't change. He just clarified the difference. God doesn't want to withhold anything from you as long as it's coming from the right source in the right way with the right attitude with the right heart. You say, well, you think God wants me rich? I don't know, maybe. If you ask that question, he probably doesn't. You say, well, if I just got a lot of money, I'd start giving a lot of money to God. I said, no, you wouldn't. You'd just still be a cheapo. It's true. If you haven't learned how to be faithful with little, you'll never be blessed with great. What did Joshua do? He built an altar to the Lord God. He read all the words of the law. Now imagine this, the blessings and the cursings. Did you know God has blessings and he has cursings? You know, God says, when you honor me with your tithe, I'm gonna open up the windows of heaven. I'm gonna bless you beyond measure. But if you withhold it, I'm gonna bring a curse on you. You know what a curse is? I can't ever manage my money. How come I can't manage my money? Because you're not honoring God. Well, I just can't afford to. What if God said I couldn't afford to get you into heaven? 
You were just too costly. I, I, I just, too many people. According to all that is written in the book of the law. So there's three steps I want you to put into place. Take a picture of this on the screen. Remind yourself of this. Build an altar unto the Lord. It can be where you sit in your living room, in your family room. Build an altar to the Lord. Say, God, this is my altar. This is where I lay myself down as a living sacrifice unto the Lord God. I want to serve you, God. Secondly, forsake idols. What in my life is vying for my attention and distracting me from Almighty God? Forsake the idols in your life. And then third, proclaim the word of God. That's what they did. They read the word of God out loud. They proclaimed it. They said, we're going to live by the word of God. Men, can I say to you, you need to be this leader in your home. If you're a single parent and you're a lady, you need to be the leader in your home. Whether you're a family of one or more, be the leader of your home. Lead, 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 lead. Stand on the word of God. Go before God. Build an altar. Forsake idols in your life. Proclaim the word of God and see what God can do. Remember, the word of God is living and active. What does that mean? That means it's working in your life even if you don't see it. So you read it, you affirm it, you proclaim it, you announce it, you keep going over it and over it and over it, and you let it just bathe you in its richness. Because the word of God is eternal. Grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of God, Isaiah said, abides forever. Thy word, O Lord, is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. How shall a young man keep his way pure? By guarding according to thy word. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace of fire seven times. Think about what he says about his word. He returns, Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. It says, and out of his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword with which he judges the nations. The living word of Almighty God. When Solomon was confused about wisdom, what did he do? He called for a sword. He said, let's cut the baby in half and give each one the parent one. And they said, wait a minute. The real mother came forward. Truth is revealed under the edge of the sword. God kept Adam and Eve out of the garden. How? With a cherub and with a flaming sword, turning in every direction because they had sinned. Let the word of God be strong in your life. Amen? Live by the word of God. Proclaim the word of God. Stand with me right now. I want you to do this. I want you to just right now make a commitment that you're going to build an altar, forsake idols, and you're going to proclaim the word of God. Can you say that? I receive that in my life. Just say it out loud. I receive that. I'm going to build an altar. Just repeat. I'm going to build an altar. I'm going to forsake idols. And I'm going to proclaim the word of God. Let's sing together, let's give God the glory, and let's do that in our life. If you don't know about your eternal destiny and you're unsure whether you say, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not, can I just ask you right now to pray a prayer with me for salvation? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, you can pray it right out loud where you stand or where you sit. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross, that you were buried, rose from the dead to give me eternal life. By faith, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Save me. If that was your prayer right now, would you just raise your hand up and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Just lift your hand up right now. God bless you. Anybody, just keep them up. Praise God. Amen. Any, anybody else? The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. You have to confess your faith before men. It's a part of the deal. Amen?